How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my city and wide. Yeah, let me take my time. I'm on my grind. Gotta make sure that we shine. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours. HR to the death and first always my team for sure. Go roll. Can't fall off. Got a family support. Gotta make sure we succeed and reach our dream. Now live through me. I'm about to take off. Yeah, and it's no days off. Hello and welcome. To the Lockdown Knicks podcast. This is episode 79. I am your host, Jared Dubin. And as you no doubt realize by now, there was no podcast yesterday. Why is that? Because there's going to be two episodes today. This one that you're listening to right now, as well as one late tonight after the Knicks play against the Warriors. I'll be recording with Danny LaRue, the host of Lockdown Warriors, to talk about what happened in that game. And then there will be another podcast on Friday as well. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review and a rating, and tell your friends to do the same. Today we will be talking about a few different things. We're going to do a quick recap and review of Tuesday's loss to the Suns. We're going to talk a little bit about tonight's upcoming game against the Warriors, talk some about Derek Rose's injury, and maybe if there's time we'll talk a little bit about some of the details of the new CBA that have been leaking out. Uh, if not, then uh, do a little bit more on that tomorrow. And here to discuss all that is my buddy Brian Giberman. Brian, what's up, man? How are you? Oh, nothing much. Got to uh, went to the game last night or on Tuesday when the uh, Knicks played the Suns, and that wasn't very enjoyable. No, it's um, you know I was all ready to do this podcast during the during the game, and I was like, I'm going to call it. I had a great name picked out for it and everything. The the playing with house money podcast. Because I thought that the Knicks were going to start off the road trip 3-0. and And no matter what happened uh, against Golden State and Denver, that they would then be coming back from the five-game road trip, uh, having a winning record on the trip, even if Derrick Rose didn't play again, or even if they didn't play well, even if they got blown out uh, by the Warriors. It would have been a successful trip. Um, obviously, that did not happen as they uh, sort of fell apart a little bit toward the end of that game. Yeah, and I saw a lot of people blaming, or not a lot, I saw a few people blaming Melo for the collapse, and I thought Melo didn't play a good game, but when they blew that six-point lead at the end, but Ron Baker made a couple mistakes, he missed a layup, had a turnover, Kyle Quinn was struggling defending Bledsoe in the pick-and-roll, they were able to kind of identify that and take advantage of that. I know Melo missed one shot, but he subbed in and with like three minutes or so left, so it was easy to kind of link the two together. But he wasn't, even though he played poorly, I didn't think he was the reason they blew that lead late. Yeah, no, neither did I. Um, Baker, while he was still in there, like you said, he missed that wild layup. He had a turnover where he was trying to force the ball to Carmelo uh, in the mid post, and he just sort of threw it out of bounds. 
Um, and then when he came out and Jennings came in, uh, he really could not handle Eric Bledsoe off the dribble at all. He really kept just getting into the paint whenever he wanted. They ran that pick and roll directly at Jennings and O'Quinn, and o- O'Quinn was terrific on offense, especially on the offensive boards. He hit his jumpers, um, probably the best offensive game he's played since he's been in New York. But like you said, he did not do a good job of, of helping Jennings in those pick and roll situations at all. Like Carmelo did not shoot well. Um, that is not why the Knicks lost. Like the Knicks lost because they gave up, you know, 113 points to a terrible offense. Yeah, and that's the and when you see stuff like the point differential, and look, they have the winning record, but obviously the point differential isn't good. It should probably be a little better, but is when they're playing these lesser teams, they can't close them out because they don't play defense, and they always, the other team always makes runs and gets back into the game, and that's a pattern. And then when they're playing the better teams, they're getting destroyed because they can't stop anything, and those teams have better defenses that can slow down the Knicks' offense. Was, I was kind of joking about it. I said the Knicks could come back from this road trip going 4-1, and one, and I can see their point differential will get worse. Yeah, uh, that would be fairly strange but it's certainly possible i mean this is something that and i'll I'll give my friend who i talk about this with all the time a little bit of shout out here like i talk about this with one of my friends all the time where he says you know based on the way the knicks have played against you know certain uh uh, good teams in the east and the fact that they have been beating all of the bad teams he's like i'm not scared of anybody other than the Cavs when the knicks go to the playoffs and i was like well it, it doesn't matter if you're scared of anyone because if you're a bottom five defense, like you're not going anywhere. You can't beat anybody doing that. Uh, like maybe you could outscore some of the you know below 500 teams during the regular season. But as you can see against you know though they've played well against a bunch of the really good teams, they've lost far more than they've won in those games. And then when you get into the playoffs, those are the only teams you're playing against. And if you can't get stops, you're not going to get wins. Period. Like. It's, it's good to see that they have exceeded expectations on some front so far, but the big thing to me that, that that Phoenix game showed, as well as even like the win against the Lakers, like they need to get their defense cleaned up fast or things are going to start going in the wrong direction. Yeah, and the defense, I think, has actually been... Uh, I've seen some numbers out. I haven't gone and looked at them all myself, but that they've been pretty good defensively when Kate Peavy's been on the court recently, which is... That, and strangely, when they were overachieved last year, it's kind of been flipped. Last year, when they had Lopez, like when Lopez, KP, and Melo were on the court together, they were pretty average, league average defensively, and that's and the offense wasn't great, but they were winning games playing pretty solid defense. This year, it's been inverse. The the, the defense has gone off the rails, but they've gotten they're not top ten, but I think they're twelve or thirteenth offensively, so they're they've been able to ride that to some wins. Now the next step is finding the balance and obviously getting both of those to a spot where they're at least sort of league average and that's how you end up being a decent team instead of one that's just eking out close wins against bad teams. Right, you want to be ideally you want to be top 10 on both sides of the ball. That's the mark of a true contender. You know, the thing that I wanted to see from the Knicks this year that I said before the season when people asked like what would be a successful season this year basically, you know, a lot of it was like they got to make the playoffs or they got to win a series or they got to have a home game or whatever. Mine was I want to see them play uh, above average offense and defense when their core guys are on the floor, when it's 
you know, Lee, Carmelo, Porzingis, and I included Noah in that. Um, obviously, Noah has been very disappointing so far um, on basically all levels. Um, to be fair, I do think he's been a little bit better recently. He's, like, now, instead of being completely unplayable, now you can deal with him for, like, 18 to 25 minutes with how I want to say, like, the last week and a half, two weeks, that he, he's manageable, and that that's an improvement from where he was. Yeah, I still think his defense has been really a disappointment um, in pretty much every level. Um, not, not. I think there's been, like, he played good defense against Cousins, the, yeah, there have been a couple. Game. There have been a couple games where he's played pretty good defense, but you're not looking for like being able to name off the top of your head the two or three games where Joe Kim Noah has played good defense. Like that's not what you signed him for. Oh no, com- completely agreed. And uh, I really think it shows. Like if you look at their defensive numbers with Lopez last year compared to with like if you line up Noah, KP. Mello versus what Lopez KP Mello did last year. It's staggering how much better the defense was with Lopez than Noah. Yeah, and well, that's showed up in uh, the rim protection numbers is something that is, um, you know, especially obvious when you take a look at those. Um, so let's, let's spin this forward here and let's talk about uh, the next game against the Warriors. But before we do that, I do want to take one quick second to recognize today's sponsor, Bet DSI. Do you love basketball? Are you ready to get into the action? Check out BetDSI.com. They have over 20 years in the business and they are top rated in customer safety. BetDSI has a great basketball special running. Sign up today and get $10 free to sign their ser- to try their service. BetDSI.com is also offering a 100% bonus on your first deposit, so you get more for your money if you sign up now. BetDSI.com has great customer service and fast and easy payment of winnings. There are hundreds of football, basketball, hockey wagers to choose from, and you can also get in on UFC or anything else you want. Not only that, but BetDSI.com even has live in-game wagering on all football, basketball, and other major sporting events. You can play virtually anything on BetDSI.com. Go to BetDSI.com now. That's B-E-T-D-S-I.com. Go there now and use the promo code NYX10 to get your free wager and start winning today. That's BetDSI.com and use the promo code NYX10 and you will get a free wager, $10, starting today. All right, let's talk about how the Knicks are going to fare against the Warriors. Um, you know, you talk about not being able to afford to play bad defense. Um, there is no one that will make you pay for that uh, more quickly and more easily than this Warriors team. Um, it's going to be tough for the Knicks to come away with a win. Obviously, barely anybody's done it. It's going to be even tougher to do it on the road, and it's going to be even tougher to do it uh, more the, more likely than not without Derrick Rose, which we'll get to a little bit more talking about his injury. But, I mean, this could be ugly. Yeah, I'm expecting a disaster. So I'm kind of identifying a single thing that I'm looking at. To last year, Porzing and Draymond Green ate Porzingis alive. In both games. So I think it, both games. Yeah, so just I, destroyed I think him. It'd be, 
yeah, it'd be fun to see if Porzingis can have some success against Green. That would be a nice indicator of how far he's come from his rookie year. So that specific matchup is something I'm looking at for a little game within the game because I don't think the actual outcome is going to be in question. Yeah, I am going to be looking at that too, especially because, and this was something you mentioned I saw on Twitter before the second game against the Cavs, that you know you thought he'd be a little bit better dealing with Kevin Love defensively, and that did not happen in, in game number two against uh, against the Cavs. Like He was still pretty bad uh, in terms of being able to handle Kevin Love. So, you want to see him improve against one of the guys that he did not fare well against last year. You know, it's at a certain point you got to take a step guarding that kind of player, and if you can do it against one of the best uh, in Draymond, that's even better. So, if Rose isn't playing, and in these games that Rose has missed something, Hornacek hasn't experimented with at all. That I think would be good too. I don't mind giving Ron Baker Ron. I think that's actually a good idea. He brings some good size, and I'd rather see him play than Sasha. But play, I would play Lee and Holiday at the one and two with Lance at the three, Bellow at the four, and Porzingis at the five against this Warriors team to try and match up because you can do a lot of switching and stuff with that with that lineup, and you could just kind of initiate the offense with Bellow and KP running some uh, four or five pick and roll to try and get some better defenders. Much like this, I think the reason Hornacek sat Jennings in that and went with Baker longer was for defensive issues. So, I mean, that's gonna you're going to run into that same exact problem. I mean, Curry can just take a shot over Jennings anytime he wants to, and Jennings tends to get lost in the half-court defense after he does that nice job pressuring in the backcourt and kind of causing some havoc. That once If that kind of passes, he struggles in the half-court. So maybe try to get some guys with some more size and length against Golden State would make sense to me. Yeah, I was going to bring up that that exact lineup as something that they might want to turn to uh, in the minutes when Jennings is out. Um, I, I think it makes a, a lot of sense. Obviously, it's a little bit different. Somebody might have to bring the ball up that isn't necessarily used to, to doing that. Maybe you could just have Melo do it. Um, puts a little bit more stress on him, especially if they decide that they want to pressure in those situations. But it's it's not like they're missing a ton out there not having Baker run the offense. You know, it's I think it's fine to give him minutes, like you said, but when they go to that death lineup, the small lineup, um, I think that you want to counter, obviously, with the unit with KP at center, and I do think that you need to get more size on the perimeter when you do that so you can bother those guys at least a little bit. Like, it's not going to work, but... You want to know if it could work against that kind of lineup to a certain extent, and that would allow you to see in... I mean, they're not... Again, they're not like going to win this game more than likely anyway, so you may as well try to get uh, you know a low-risk idea of what things are going to look like when you put that, lot, that kind of a group out against a small-ball lineup because based on you know the, the stuff that Rose was saying after his his back locked up again. I mean, it's possible that they might have to play without him for a little while and not just uh, tonight in this game. And Holiday and Leah, actually, they, they've been pleasant surprises. Their ball handling and shot creation and setting up others has actually been a little bit better than I was expecting 
hinted me. Like, Holiday isn't just a pure spot-on-the-shoot guy. Like, he'd run a little bit of pick-and-roll. Right, but that, that's... to drive. That's as secondary guys. Like, it's it's way different attacking off the catch against the closing-out defender or after a swing pass than it is as the guy running the initial action. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why maybe you use the mellow, the mellow pick-and-roll with KP as the way to initiate the offense and kind of let those guys slide into their more typical roles. But you're still asking them to do just a little bit more than they typically would if you have uh, Jennings or... Or Rose on the court. Right. Um, all right. So let's let's talk about this Derrick Rose injury. Um, he said after the game that he couldn't move. He doesn't know exactly when it happened, but his back locked up again, and he couldn't move. And he tried to go out there and do it, and just basically couldn't. So he had to come out of the game. Um, I put out a poll on Twitter before that quote came out, asking. Um, how concerned are you about Derrick Rose's back? Um, but I left it open all day, so people had, you know, heard that quote of eventually while they were responding. Um, so the the three choices were not concerned, a little concerned, or very concerned. Um, and I am a little bit surprised that very concerned actually came out ahead with 43% of the vote a little concerned, 39% of the vote, and not concerned, 18%. Um, so basically 82% of people that responded out of uh, 298 votes um, were at the very least had some level of concern about Rose's back, which I think, I don't know how you could not be concerned at all after you know he left one game, then missed the next two, came back, and two games later had to go out again. Um, I think at the very least you have to be a little concerned. Uh, I don't understand not being concerned at all. But um, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's not good. You know, like I said, when he first got injured, it's really a shame because he really seemed to be getting uh, on a roll offensively. And um, now that all comes to a halt and we play the game that Bulls fans have been playing for years where you just don't know if or when he's going to play or what he'll look like when he's out there. Yeah, I mean, for the season, his efficiency across the board is from the last three, four seasons to levels that hasn't been in a while. And I would say uh, if you even identified like a shorter period recently, it'd probably be even even more stark. Yeah, the last like 10, 12 games or so for sure. Yeah, and so I would fall I would fall somewhere between a, a little and very. I would say I am mildly concerned. I use the Amari example. If you remember when with the Knicks, his main injury was when it all fell apart for him. He had all those knee surgeries. But then it was his back that gave out. He heard it in warm-ups before the Celtics playoff game, before that game two. Right. Or the, before the game three. Was it, the, it was the game two or game three. I forget which one it was. I don't remember which game it was, but uh, it was, he, it was, was he did two. a dunk mellow, like before the game. Like He did a dunk in warm-ups before the game, and it just apparently locked on him, and he couldn't move. Like, same kind of thing. Yeah, and when you... Your, your body's gone through this and it, it seems like your back is that next thing that goes for whatever reason I'm not a doctor or anything but you just see it in sports I mean we've been following for a long time and just with injuries like guys who get beat up and hurt eventually their backs give out yeah and, and back injuries are, are really tricky because you don't know when they're fully healed how like especially if you don't know how you did it like this one with Rose 
you don't that you know informs what you should do to treat it like and sometimes it just locks up and it doesn't loosen back up like that's it's obviously premature to say that's what's going to happen here but sometimes it does like once you start having back injuries very rarely do you just never have back injuries again like most guys it's sort of a recurring thing and you know you can deal with the pain some nights and some nights it, it really bothers you sometimes you have to sit out periods of time like it's it's definitely not good to have him now be experiencing back spasms like it's it's not a good situation to be in no and phil and i think this has been a common occurrence in his time here with the active roster and the 15 guys they have on it whether it be the first year and how long it took him to swing in to, to pivot from trying to win to tanking pretty much i mean there's no other way to put that uh, last year with what they did with not playing Jerry and Grant and Langston Galloway more when it was clear they needed more shot creation out of their out of their backcourt or guys who could create shots and dribble drive. It took them till the last five games of the season to really incorporate Grant to a bigger extent. And now this season, they very clearly need a third point guard on this roster. And it, it shouldn't be taking whether it's Chase and Randall, I know I've read some people say he's not playing good in Westchester. There has to be a guy out there that you can use as a third point guard for these nights when Rose is hurt. So it's not all on Jennings, and then you're not going to these weird no-point guard lineups. Yeah, you have to find... I mean, the Nets just went out inside Spencer Dinwiddie, someone like that. I'm from Europe, from the D-League, I, I really don't care where, and I don't care who. you got to bring up, because it's so stark the difference in their offense when they have point guards or just a guard who can triple drive and create for others. It, it helps them so much, and that's why the offense has been so much better this year is because they have that aspect to help Melo and to help KP, and when Rose is out, they lose that, and you're also pushing Jennings into a bigger role than he should have. The best role for Jennings is that 18 to 25 minutes where he can come out and just go full blast the whole time. When he's playing 32 to 35 minutes, he can't do that as much. Yeah, it, it also forces Jennings into attacking a little bit differently because Rose is such a, a deep-into-the-paint penetrator. That's something that, that causes the defense to collapse a certain way. Jennings likes to attack but not necessarily go deep into the paint. He's more of like come around and this year especially and last year a little bit too – you know, look for the pass as his way of attacking. Um, and, and with that starting group, you need a little bit more. Otherwise, guys, like, they'll just completely shut down the paint for Melo and KP. And, you know, Courtney Lee won't get open, and Noah will just be standing in the middle of nowhere. Like, Rose really does fit well with that group because he forces guys to come at him when he goes to the basket. Even if he doesn't always see the guy that comes open because of it, it, it loosens things up on other possessions, too, because of the threat of him getting all the way deep into the paint. Yeah, and Rose has found a little bit. I think he's found a, he's start, he's found a little bit better of a balance of the pass and shot, too, even though maybe it doesn't show up great in the assist numbers. I think for the most part, and he just has his basic flaws in his, in his vision that are never that are probably never going to disappear at this point. Right. He doesn't um, see anything behind him. He only sees what's in front of him. So a lot of times when he runs that high pick and pop with Kristaps, Kristaps comes open behind him and there's just no chance of Rhodes seeing it because 
his vision is always forward. He can see the guy in the corner or across the court or under the basket. He almost never hits the pass to the guy popping out behind him. But for the, I mean, for the most part, you can live with how Rose Rose has played. Jennings, you know what he did? The path he takes, I've never seen someone dribble to the corner as much as he does. <laughs> it's, it's a strange thing he does. He like goes in like big loops and ends up in the corner. I've never really seen, I don't think I've ever seen a point guard do that before. Yeah, it's, it's strange. He's certainly not a, an orthodox player. He, um, he sort of slithers around all over the place and winds up in a spot, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Um, he's never been the most organized player in the world. Um, like I, I think he's done well for what they need him to do, but in the couple of games that he's had to start, you could see that there is something that Rose brings that he doesn't and or can't. And um, it's... Look, I don't know if it's concerning in the long term that Derrick Rose is having uh, back issues. Uh, if anything, him having a, another injury on his ledger might, you know, show them the light in terms of this is not someone we can necessarily depend on going into the future. But in terms of their chances this season, it's hard to think of something beyond Melo or KP getting hurt that would affect their playoff chances in a more um, deleterious way than Derrick Rose is having back problems. Yeah, agreed. I think you you put that well because with Jennings, I think the, the backup role is perfect. I would actually I would love for them to they can resign him on a reasonable deal. But I think it'd be better for them to resign Jennings to keep the role he has right now and then find a different point guard to be the starter that somewhat replicates. There, there's a extensive list of point guards who are going to be available this summer, but someone that somewhat replicates the skills that Rose has and place them in the starter and then have Jennings back on a reasonable contract to be to be back up. I think that'd be a good plan for them going forward. Yeah, I, I think that makes a degree of sense as well. Like That's something I raised before the season of using Rose as sort of like a test driver for what the offense would look like with that style of point guard, and then try to find someone who replicates that skill set um, to a certain ex- to a certain extent next year. I think that makes a ton of sense, um, and not just because Rose is hurt right now. Like, it's again, I don't want to rehash everything, but it's safe to say that the only thing that could be more concerning for her, a player in the league, than knee injuries is probably back injuries, and that's now what we're dealing with. Like. Hopefully he comes back soon and is able to play well like he had been uh, offensively over the last couple weeks. Like I still think that that would be the best-case scenario for them because you, you do want guys to progress, and I think that having him out there will help. It'll help Carmelo. It'll help Chris Stapps, uh, It'll help guys like Lee and Holiday get you know into their rhythm. But um, it's... You never know with this back stuff. It's 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 hard to talk about just because the lack of detail we have on it beyond it locked up and I couldn't move. Um, that that's the whole thing right there. Like is is knowing what beyond that uh, what effect it'll have on him. Isn't isn't it strange after the last few years with Rose being the people who watch him every single night and like the some of the advanced numbers like the real plus minus are still really negative for him and you're and now I feel like I'm the person who's like yeah I know that I pay attention to that and I take it into account but I watch it and I swear he's helping the team 
Like, I, I, it's strange being that. I'm being that guy now. Yeah, no, it's... Um, see, I think that there's a difference between he's helping the... Off- he's helping them, you know, find their place and succeed offensively, and he's helping the team. And the difference in there is that he's been really, really bad defensively. And that's where almost all of the negative RPM stuff comes from. I think he was, like, second to last or something among point guards in defensive RPM, which is what drags the whole thing all the way down. Like, I I do think that he's been um, at at least an above, if not, if only slightly above average offensive player. Like, I think it's been more than that, uh, even if only by a little bit. But he's been a very damaging defensive player. I would agree with that. And that is why I think that the you know the RPM is so low. Yeah, yeah that that makes sense, and that's actually a good thing to clarify. Like I remember him guarding Lou Williams. Lou Williams did like an in and out dribble and just just went toasted and went right by him. So it, it is good to separate the difference of yes, I think he's playing better offensively than I expected, rather than as a whole because the defense has he's had he's had his moments defensively like he defended calmly pretty good in that Memphis game early in the season right he did a pretty good job in the first game against Kemba he did a pretty good job against Lillard in that one game but I think other than that um, you know he's been one of the major contributors to the fact that they're a bottom five defense yeah I agree you know Um, and look there are nights where his offense is so good that you can just take that and be like okay fine like you know, maybe he's not the the best defender in the world. Maybe he's, you know, hurting our defense a lot. But he's doing enough for us tonight offensively against certain teams that, you know, you live with it. Um, but, you know, they need more of that, and that can't happen if he's not on the court. And obviously, you know, that's the biggest concern that they have right now. Yeah, and so, I mean, you got the Golden State game. The Denver game's going to make or break the road trip I think 3-2 and two would be considered still good I said that would be acceptable 4-1 and one would have been awesome 3-2 and two is acceptable that, that three game homestand they have after the Denver game is is very very interesting yeah look you go on a, road, a five game road trip I don't care who you play you come back with a winning record that's a successful road trip like I don't care if you play four teams that are under 500 on the Warriors you come away with three wins uh, on a west coast swing where you're away for a week, ten days, that's really good, um, you know. And look, like we said, in all likelihood, they're not going to beat Golden State. It's tough for them, tough for anybody at full strength. Um, most likely going to be without Rose. You know, maybe they win. If they did that, then that's you know already right there. That's like about as successful a road trip as you could possibly ask for. But more than likely than not, like you said, it's going to come down to that Denver game. And, and that Denver team, look, they've been pretty bad this year. You got to come out and win that game. Like even if. Even without Rose, that's something that you got to do if you want to be a good team and if you want to be a playoff team. Un- unfortunately, though, I think something that might be happening, I think it might have just clipped from Mike Malone that it's time that to Jokic play is Jokic good. More. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think we might be seeing him for 32 to 35 minutes that rather than what he's probably been like 22 to 24 minutes per game this year, so they might be catching a bad break with that. Right, and I do think that they've been playing fairly well recently, if I'm remembering off the top of my head. Like, they're not in their last, uh, you know, 10-game stretch, but um, they played... Uh, they, they're 3-2 and two in their last five. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, uh, actually, they just got blown out by the Mavs, too. So, 
There goes that. But in the in the in that mat. Oh wait, hold on. I clicked on the Pacers, not Denver, so they might not. Yeah, no, they they played tough time. games uh, against. Uh, they had they had like a four or five game road trip, and uh, they started off. They played well in a game against the Jazz, but lost. They won one of the games. They played well and lost in a couple other games. Like they're playing better than they did earlier in the season, uh, even if the they, record doesn't necessarily reflect it yet. They they lost that Dallas game by twenty, and I believe Jokic was a even plus minus in a game they lost by twenty. So yeah, that dude is really good. Minute. Yeah, so so that's gonna be fun to get twenty six minutes. 26 minutes, he was a plus two in a game they lost by 20. So that will be a fun, fun matchup with him and with him and KP going against each other. Yeah, like, uh, and it'll hopefully for KP show the people that were like, oh, I would take Jokic over KP uh, last year that uh, he has progressed what far beyond that point. Yeah, and I think he, I think he, ha- I think it's fair to say he has. Yeah, look, He's Jokic the- has still been good this year. KP has hit another level this year, which is. And that, that goes back to uh, the other poll question that I asked, if I could just bring that up before the last thing we talk about before we go here. Um, so my, my poll question was, how good is Chris Stapps? And um, the four choices for that poll were uh, incredible, amazing, magnificent, and spectacular. Um, we, we came away with 36% incredible, 34% spectacular, 21% magnificent and 9% amazing. Uh, I think that the most interesting thing about this is that nobody wanted to to merely call him amazing. They had to go for one of the more you know unusual descriptors. Um, you know the dude's good. Yeah, outside of nitpicking his perimeter defense, which I thought there was actually a stretch where it got slightly better, but now it's dipped. Bad. It's kind of trended in the wrong direction again he's made every single progression you could possibly ask for the, he has made his- the being able to create with the ball in his hands is so big for his future and the team's future it's it's ridiculous the kind, I mean he's got basically he's got you know the one very exaggerated crossover move that sometimes is so exaggerated that he falls down while he's trying to do it because he gets so far from right to left but it gets his man basically every time he goes to it which is what's important because eventually he'll, he he'll figure Chris out so badly yeah, oh so yeah filthy. oh my god that was it was disgusting um <laughs> badly he got Marcus Chris um it's also like the thing that matters is that he's getting everybody to bite on it and he's getting a ton of separation even though there have been a couple of times where, uh, you know, he legitimately, like, he crossed over so far and he tried to step out so far in the opposite direction that he fell down. Um, that, that's happened a couple times this year. But he's got that move down pat, and it works basically every time. And then he's got, like, he dribbles himself into the Dirk shot, which is a move that, I mean, at his size, you can't stop it. Like, at least you can't stop him from getting it off. And because he's such a good shooter, you basically can't stop him from making it either. So th- those two things are, are huge. He's increased his attempts from zero to three feet very slightly, and he sh- his shooting percentage in that range has gone from 57% last year to 72% Right, this year. he's gone basically from being like a, a guard-level finisher in there to a LeBron-level finisher in there. Oh, he makes me so happy. Yeah, he's... I, you know, and I didn't want to draft them. God, was I stupid. 
Yeah, uh, he was uh, like I said on the podcast with uh, Anthony Irwin from Lockdown Lakers. He was uh, one of my guys on the guys I like list. So uh, it, that has worked out very well for all involved. Uh, it's worked out well for yep. Chris Apps. It's worked out well for us. It's worked out well. Like one of the only things that's worked out well for Phil Jackson. It has worked out very well for the Knicks, and um, hopefully we'll get to see him put on a show these next couple nights. Uh, Brian, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. No problem, Karen. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Talk to you later.